0: Trademarks owned by Beckler AB to CV Twenty Twenty Four, Proximo, Jersey City,
1: New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to
2: DraftKings Network,
1: the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny
2: Florian. I f- love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next.
1: Big job there for Don. There are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: All right, episode 465 of the Anakin Florian Podcast has arrived. We are presented by DraftKings. Thanks to everybody who has subscribed to the DraftKings YouTube channel. If you want to watch full-length episodes, they are there. Clips, of course, can still be accessed on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel. And that'll be the host platform for our watch party this weekend for UFC Fight Night, for Manson versus Pfeiffer. More on that coming up throughout the program today. Ken Flo, it's good to see you, man. You know, I mean, this haircut is just like, I mean... I am a heterosexual man, but you look fantastic.
1: <laughs> Anything's better than the other thing I had. Whatever the heck that lack of style was, but I'm feeling a little more aerodynamic, so that's that's a good thing. How many weeks will it be until you get another haircut? Like seventeen. Uh, well, here's the thing: once you go with a fade, it's like you kind of have to keep it up All like right. every couple All weeks. Right. So, I'll, I'll hopefully, this is uh, you know a change that uh, you know will force me to get my haircut on the break now
0: all right so the 10 least hittable fighters in ufc history there was some comprehensive video that was created and you made the
1: cut huh yeah it was cool to see man i i had no idea that that i would be on that list i know i was on a list at 155 pounds at a certain point but you know um i i i don't really uh there's there's nothing really for me that that stands out i i you know, when I look back at my career, I wish I did a lot of things differently or whatever, but I, I am proud of that because that is definitely something I worked really hard on. Um, especially when I was fighting at 185 pounds was trying not to get my head knocked off my shoulders. Um, so it was pretty cool just to be amongst all those great champions, all those great fighters to be in the top 10 of guys that were not hit. Um, and and with kind of the, the math that they put together, how they put put together all the stats, uh, it was cool to see, man. I'm, uh, I could, I guess, say that I'm, I'm proud of that. So that was pretty yeah. cool.
0: And you can check out Ken Flo's X page if you do want to find the link. And you can be sure you can also go to my Twitter, John underscore Anik, because as the president of Team Flory and I have repurposed that content as well. Thanks. Bro. He just got a late start, right? They're still talking about it in the barber shops in Massachusetts. Ken Flo just got a late start. I mean, he fought for the title three times, right? But he <laughs> just got a fucking late start. And had he started earlier, you just never know. All right. I want to bring something your way. Brian Petrie, by the way, coming up here in about seven minutes or so. We'll have a main event challenge, full preview and predictions for UFC Fight Night. Hermanson versus Pfeiffer. Also, place your bets. Those guys will spend up to $1,000 of their hard-earned money with bets on the card, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. But I have a quote from you from the MMA Hour. Ariel Hawani. Robert Whittaker says he would beat Dracus Duplessis nine out of ten times, Ken Flo. I'm going to bring you the direct quote, and I just want to get your thoughts on this because we all believe in Robert Whitaker and his future Hall of Fame status and all the skills and everything else. And here's the quote. DDP is a hungry guy. And I think I underestimated that hunger. I still believe that I beat him nine out of 10 times. I still believe I'm a better fighter than he is, that I have a better skill set than he does. But fighting a big, strong, hungry guy that's willing to leave it all in there, you need to match that I feel like I didn't do that. Now, certainly Whitaker's going to have to match the intensity of Paolo Costa coming up shortly at UFC 298. But how do you feel about those remarks and how competitive a 10-fight series might be between Robert Whitaker and the new middleweight champ?
1: Yeah, you know, that that's a tough thing because it, it's, it's always, I guess, easy to say that after you lose to that person. However, you know, I, I think there's validity to that. Um, now, we we talked about this in that last fight Uh, between Duplessis and Sean Strickland. I think there's a lot of people that have a better skill set or that maybe have better technique than someone like DDP. Are they the better fighter, though? And can they win that many times? I don't know. If there's one guy out there who's not a champion at the moment – who who can maybe claim that? Perhaps it's someone on the level of a Robert Whitaker, but um, I I always kind of cringe just a little bit anytime I hear that after a loss. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, maybe Robert Whitaker gets another crack later on, and to see him win wouldn't be a huge surprise necessarily. Um, but uh, no matter who's saying it, I always cringe a little bit. Anytime someone's coming off a loss, they say, ah, well, I would beat them nine out of 10 times. Well, it's like right now, that may be true, but right now you're 0-1. So there's a lot of winning to do before we get there.
0: Got to win nine in a row. And Is Duplessis just knows how to win fights. However, the aesthetic is perceived or ingested by the general public, the guy just wins fights. And for Robert Whittaker, what a great test at this stage of his career in Paulo Costa. And I say at this stage of his career, I don't suggest Robert Whitaker at all is in the twilight of his career. But let us not lose sight of all the MMA miles, right? This is a guy who won the Ultimate Fighter Smashes in 2012, went on to become the champion of the world. All those fights with Yoel Romero, right? If you can get past a seemingly prime Paolo Costa right now, you know that will keep the championship door open.
1: He's an amazing fighter, no question about it. And, and this was kind of a concern for me, John. Was you know I think that if you are in limbo mode, uh, meaning someone who has either fought for the belt, you're a former champion, um, and, and maybe you've fallen short of getting back to the top again, and being in that top five level without a clear possibility of fighting for the belt again is is such a danger to a fighter, right? Because if you're not trying to climb upwards. For a lot of people, just making money and going out there and doing their job sometimes might not be enough uh, because maybe that hunger goes away. A- and Whitaker kind of nailed it. He said the difference was the hunger, you know, that passion, and and that's I think what happens if you are not chasing something or if you don't have that clear and direct path towards a, a title or defending that belt and, and Whitaker Whitaker has been in kind of that limbo mode because of those two losses to Adesanya. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent having to do with that, but I think that's certainly a danger when you're in that similar spot.
0: Yeah. All right. Going to be very interesting. UFC 298 cannonball coming from the big A Anaheim, California. So Kenny, we don't always solicit fan questions and things for the purpose of the Anakin Florian podcast. And, Part of the reason we don't always do that is because of the breakneck nature of the UFC schedule, right? We have 41 or so UFC live events to recap. Like, we don't even talk about Dana White's contender series on the show. We try to talk about the PFL as much as possible. But at Anak Florian Pod, great question sort of came in, and I want to get to it. Prime Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor in his prime, taking on the present day version of Alexander Volkanovsky. And we want to know who Kenny Florian thinks wins that fight. Now, obviously it's open to interpretation in terms of the weight class. If this would be at featherweight or at lightweight, I don't care what you do with the goddamn weight class Ken flow, but prime Conor McGregor versus present day, Alexander Volkanovsky who wins the fight.
1: Gosh, that that's a great question. Uh, One that is very intriguing. I I think that at 155 pounds, I would have to be leaning a little bit more towards uh, Conor McGregor. Now, As soon as it starts to get into those championship rounds, rounds four and five, that's where I would have more of a concern and probably be leaning maybe more towards Volkanovsky. But I think people forget just how damn good Conor McGregor is and was in his prime. This is a a striker that a lot of people learned a lot of things from. He was doing a lot of things that a lot of people were not at the time. Um, So we've had the luxury of benefiting from Conor McGregor, his movement, his style. So a lot of people have integrated in what Conor McGregor has done. And a lot of people know at this stage of the game more or less what Conor is going to do. Um, So at 145 pounds, though, both guys in their prime, for example, that would be really tough. I think I'd be leaning way more towards Volkanovsky just because of his ability to take guys down, control them, and land some brutal ground and pound. That is a spot where Conor McGregor has shown some vulnerabilities. Uh, And I'm sure he's working on it and has worked on it, Um, And he's no slouch there now being a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt there. But Volkanovski is not your typical guy there when he gets on top. He is a handful um, because of his, um, you know, shorter stature. I think that him being as compact as he does, there's not a whole lot of long levers to get a hold of. uh, And it's hard to keep control of him, Um, has tremendous calculated ground and pound and positioning. So Man, I, maybe we get to see that fight at some point. I, I'm really intrigued by that. When I, I think if we do see it, of course, it would most likely be at 155 pounds, right?
0: I think McGregor would have an appetite for the Volkanovsky fight. It just comes down to the weight class. And I'm just not sure we ever see Conor McGregor again at 155 pounds. I hope to be wrong on that front, but I do believe the door closed on lightweight with that leg break. And I think it might just be super fights from here. Maybe he chases a welterweight championship, but if fans do want to express frustration with Conor McGregor's inactivity, I would circle back to the top of Kenny's point, And I would suggest, I hope you at least appreciate just how layered and strong a striker and mixed martial arts athlete as a whole, this man was in his prime and could be in the future yeah. because I would stop at suggesting that Conor McGregor is underrated, but, as far as his mixed martial arts i'm not sure that you know because of the way his career has gone that he gets all the credit he deserves for his fighting prime so we circle back to it a little bit today here on the anakin florian podcast brian petrie coming up in 60 seconds but if you have heard of lucy you may know they are up in the nicotine pouch game with breakers pouches packing a little something extra inside so what are lucy breakers exactly Well, if you know your pouches, you know the nicotine doesn't hit immediately and neither does the flavor candidly. Well, the geniuses at Lucy came up with a brilliant way to fix both problems. They put a mini liquid capsule inside each breaker's pouch. Grab a breaker's pouch, break the capsule. Yes, with your teeth, it actually makes a really satisfying pop. You put it in your lip and enjoy the immediate nicotine and flavor release. It is a new kind of pouch technology and it is only available... From Lucy, it is 100% pure nicotine, six delicious flavors, including unique ones like apple ice or espresso, and also some classics like mint or mango. So break up with your dusty gas station pouches and go to lucy.co slash AFpod and use promo code AFpod to get 20% off your first order. Lucy offers free shipping and has a 30-day refund policy if you change your mind. That's lucy.co and use code AFpod to get 20% off and always free shipping. And here comes the fine print Lucy products are only for adults of legal age and every order is age verified. Warning, this product contains
1: nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes Wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. All right, we go
0: three wide now and welcome on our chief MMA handicapper here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Is that a good title for you? Ryan Petrie is with us, host of the MMA Takes podcast. Chief handicapper, resident handicapper. What do you you want your title to be? Cody wanted to be the executive producer. So we changed his title from producer to executive producer. Now he's probably going to ask for directorial credit. What should your title be,
2: Brian? Listen, you can call me whatever you want, but, man, anytime you put chief in front of anything, I'm in. in. By the way, I listened earlier this week. I'm rocking a Ray Longo shirt. He trashed Cincinnati a little bit. I sent that guy a webcam. Hopefully my stinky Cincinnati air doesn't get to Mr. New York City. Jeez.
0: And by the way, if you – Want to know how good an egg Brian Petrie is. The guy's like refusing to be reimbursed for this webcam that he is webcam that he is sending for Ray Longo. So we appreciate all your efforts on the show's behalf. But yeah, man, I guess it's a good jumping off point in terms of Cincinnati, Ohio versus the UFC apex. And I don't know how much money the UFC saves by doing a show at the UFC apex. Certainly if we go back to Cincinnati, Ohio, Brian, I would think with almost any UFC fight night or card or main event we're banging the place out. Mm-hmm. But I did find myself last weekend watching the main event between Nasordini Mavov and Roman Delizay and just watching the fight card as a whole, you know, wanting Moicano to be addressing 20,000 people on a, on
2: a, on a hot microphone. I agree with you. Listen, the apex, I, you know, as a guy who would love to f- watch it live in an intimate setting, because that's like once in a lifetime, you can hear everything very loudly. It's, it's, it's very intimate. But there's nothing that beats a crowd. I mean, there's truly nothing. You know, I've been to a lot, a lot of live UFC events. and even if you have the obnoxious idiots who yelling ridiculous things, the energy of the crowd's like a good walkout song that fires up a crowd and obviously the knockouts and just anything that pop from from a, a good post fight interview. I mean, I remember in Columbus, Kai car, France had that crowd in the palm of his hand. You know what I mean? like nothing beats a crowd. I understand the apex. There's obviously a whole business side that I don't fucking understand. But uh, yeah, I I would like to see more in the crowd uh, coming back, and they've only been to Cincinnati twice. We did get a pay per view UFC 77. Yeah. We're not going to get a pay per view again. But you know, let's 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 start a fight night here, boys. Come on, I'll show you a good time. There's some great some great food here. Are you telling me the last time there was a fight night in Cincinnati was 2014? Yeah, last time Matt Brown versus Eric Silva. Yeah, uh, you and Can't Kenny were there. there. You, we, we you called worked. that one, yeah. Yep. You guys were there. I saw you guys there. I was, uh, I spent every dime I had, I had no money ah. at the time, every penny I had just started dating my wife. I wanted to flex a little bit, got floor right. seats. broke for two weeks after that. <laughs> um, Good and then I, I was oh, at the like 17 at the time. No, 2014, I was uh, 20. What, what was I? I had know. late 20s, you know, I'm an old dog, but yeah, yeah. UFC 77, the pay per view. I mean, one of the best walkouts in the world rich Franklin coming out to welcome to the jungle switched up the, the brown and pink and wore orange and black for the Bengals. I mean, well, let's not talk about the ending there, but boy, that, that was, that's something that that's something you take with you for the rest of your life.
0: Ken flow UFC apex. I know you have been a staunch defender of this. Maybe it's the Bitcoin businessman in you, but, uh, what are your thoughts on the UFC apex versus a UFC fight night in Cincinnati or Baltimore or Detroit or anywhere else?
1: Yeah, listen, I think that if the UFC put a little effort into, you know, going to some of these cities, I think they could sell out very easily. And, you know, even guys that are kind of, um, you know, stars, but maybe not champions, there's a lot of them now. I think there's certainly a a decent handful of them that you could put uh, all over the country and create some awesome fight nights that will definitely sell out. So um, I'd like to see more of it. Um, I, I think it was a great sign. Uh, I was here at the card uh, in, in Charlotte. Thanks to you, yeah. John. And um, man, sold out. And, and again, wasn't the strongest of cards. So I think they can definitely do that. But, you know, from an economic standpoint, I'm sure the UFC does save a lot of money. Having having everyone in Vegas from a logistical standpoint, yeah. I think it's way less of a headache for them uh, to keep everything in Vegas. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe we get some more of those, uh, those, those fight nights outside of Vegas. We shall see. And I have no information promotionally. I had imagined there are high level executives
0: who are desirous of being back on the road and continuing to make that domestic footprint at the very least for every Hinato Moicano that can do a post-fight interview and resonate with the fan base without a crowd. We talked to Randy Rube boy Brown. He was fantastic earlier this week, Bry. but I felt like mm-hmm. with his post-fight interview really would have been nice to have 20,000 people there supporting his every word after yeah. watching a knockout like that. But it is what it is. And, uh, Hey, they call my number. I show up wherever it is. So speaking of last weekend, Bri, real quickly, if I could, uh, yeah. Nasordini Mavov doesn't seem to want to fight your guy, Chris Curtis. <laughs> no. These two individuals don't like each other though. That is to be sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've I've talked to Chris a lot. He reached out to me, told me to rewatch the fight because uh, Imanov has said some things like, I blew you out of the water. It wasn't even close. And, uh, you know, Chris is a sensitive guy. And then, you know, you got some fans turn on him as well. So he's like, can you give me fresh eyes on this? And I watched it, and it was – I mean, listen, he dropped the first round. Second round was very competitive. Couldn't really score the, the second round because of the headbutt. But you also got to imagine, Strickland fought Imanov. Chris did, now delete. And then there's been a lot of scuttlebug in that room with Eric Nixick that Delice, or Imanov might not be the cleanest guy in the world. You know, everyone has their, their different opinions. Grabbing gloves, eye pokes, headbutts, whatnot. And then to see the kick, you know, my guy's a loyal dude. He jumped up and went, hey – and right. Imanov went right after him because they yeah. you know, they chirp a little bit. I think Amanov or Strickland might make sense. I think you know maybe not running back with Chris. I think that's a that Chris wants a five round fight. That'd be interesting, but I don't see him getting that fight. Yeah. But I just saw it as him sticking up for his guy. You know, he's in the right. corner of right. that's what I saw it as. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are gonna paint in a different picture, and yeah. maybe they thought the spotlight he was trying to take the spotlight away. I can assure you that's not really who Chris right. is. He's just a right. proud guy. So heretofore, I am never going to
0: criticize any other individual. I just want to say this on the record for mispronouncing Nasordeen Imavov, right? Because I don't think anybody can pronounce this name correctly. I mean, you have worked so hard, Bri, yeah.
2: and today you're you're going Imanov. Yeah. Listen, I <laughs> you know I watched the flights on Saturday. They got my head, John. I just I'm repeating what they're
0: saying. <laughs> I mean, you, you're emphasizing the right syllable, but now you're yeah. changing a V to an N and we're completely off the rails. Let us transition, if we could, to this week's yeah. pronunciation of the week. Yes. Again, our public service here on the Anakin Florian podcast, we present these audio files. This is the way we do it. The UFC athletes, whether they arrive for Dana White's Contender Series or their UFC debuts, they say their name to tape. And we as announcers try to mimic that sound in all of these different twangs and international accents and everything else. We don't say Rafael Deutsch" on Joyce, right? But we certainly are trying to emphasize the right syllables. So coming up this week, Brian, mm-hmm. on a five-time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion, first yeah. name, Adolfo mm-hmm. might look to the American audience like Rodolfo, but it's Adolfo. Yeah. Ultimately, we're looking for the surname here, Bry. Who are we talking about, kid?
2: Yeah, so if I was, if I didn't go through the John Anning school of pronunciation, my Midwest ass would go Rodolfo Vieira. That's what I would say. But no, I've been through the hard, I've been through this training. So I'm going to go Rodolfo Vieira. And I think, again? Yeah? Wow. Yeah?
1: Actually, that, that was like beautiful Brazilian bad. Portuguese, right? I mean, Not
2: bad. Okay. Oh, That
0: was the best you have ever done on the pronunciation of the week. Your Brazilian Portuguese was perfect. The rolled R was perfect. I don't even know that we need to play, Kenny, the Rodolfo Vieira file, but maybe we should. Rodolfo Vieira. Oh, Rodolfo Vieira. Nailed it. Circle gets the fucking square, Bri. Me and myself. Just bringing it. Just bringing it. Nice. Super Bowl 58 coming up this weekend. And if you are looking for a super offer, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game, turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. 49ers holding his two point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. A lot of prop bets available as well. I've been hammering the touchdown markets essentially since they were released. So a lot of action to be had there as well. And you can get in on the game. You just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Not now, but right now. Use the promo code AFPOD. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code AFPOD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time for the main event challenge. As we get your forecast for UFC fight night, Hermanson versus Piper, and then place your bets on the backside. You will each have $1,000 to spend this weekend. Brian Petrie, do you have any bets on Super Bowl 58 as yet?
2: I do not. I, I do not. Um, I, I've I've tuned out once my bangles kind of dropped out, if I'm being honest. Right. I, no, I'm I've watched good. the playoffs, but I'm not like invested.
0: All right. Well, this is a UFC audience, so that's absolutely fine. Can you bet yeah. on the Super Bowl or no? What's that? You're going to bet on the Super Bowl, Kenny, or no?
1: I, I'm not going to bet on it. No. Uh, yeah. I, I know nothing of the NFL, really, but I'll, I'm definitely going to watch.
0: All right. To quote my boss, Dana White, if you give a shit, I have a bunch of futures on the San Francisco 49ers that I have hedged with nice. Kansas City Chiefs plus two. And I've been tying a lot of my straight wagers this week on the NHL and the NBA to Kansas City plus two, just trying to turn some kind of profit as we continue to chase a $2,500 loss on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC. All right, UFC fight at Hermanson versus Pfeiffer. We're still waiting on a new bout order, so this fight could be the featured prelim, could be added to the main card, but Brian, it's a welterweight affair regardless. Carlos Pratis minus 218. Trevin Giles, plus 180. Protest punches UFC ticket via the contender series. A lot of experience he brings to this mm-hmm. UFC debut seven fight winning streak as well as he takes on the veteran Trevin Giles
2: BP. What do you have for us on this one? Kid, man, I get the googly eyes. the yeah. new guys, you guys know that I get the googly eyes and products is a guy who's a surefire South Paul. He is what you want to be when you're a southpaw. He's aggressive. Left hand is a sniper. The back kick is beautiful. He's aggressive. Takedown offense is something I'm a little worried about. And when you look at a Brazilian who's 17 and 6 with 6 losses, you're like, ooh. Because a lot of the Brazilians on the regional scene, they fight like janitors and they fight cab drivers. So when they have 6 losses early in their career, you're like, uh, what are we doing here? Is this guy good or not? Uh, I watched his fights leading up to the contender series. And again, this kid's a killer. He's a finisher. Trevin Giles coming back down to one or going to down to 170. I like the move. Uh, 185. He fought all the best in the LFA and in the UFC. He's so inconsistent. It's hard. He wants to grapple. He wants to strike, but he doesn't really have a true identity. I'm going to practice here as a surefire, uh, just. Nasty, brutal Southpaw. I like him by KO. Don't know if I'm going to do the prop right now, but to the audience, I like him by KO as well. But uh, give me Protest. All
0: right. Protest minus 218 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. The comeback on Trevin Giles plus 180. Giles has seven UFC wins to his credit. Ken Flo coming off a submission loss, though, to Gabrielle Bonfim. That was UFC 291 last July. What do you think, Ken Flo? Giles, or Protest for you?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. I, I think Pratist definitely has some some interesting tools, especially as the southpaw, as Brian was talking about. Uh, I think um, you know his length. Uh, you know he, he does have some experience that can pose some problems for Giles. But uh, you know, I, I think that um, you know I, I'm not sleeping on Giles here. I, I think that you know when you look at guys that you know as far as their competition, who they face, this and that, um, anybody can look good against fighters that aren't that good. Um, it, now, it could be that Protest is that good. I'm just not sold on him quite yet. Uh, I think that Giles' athleticism, his experience, uh, and it, specifically, as Brian alluded to, his ability to take the fight to the ground, I think that's where he can do some damage. Giles does a good job. I mean, sorry, uh, Protest does a good job of getting back to his feet. He has He's decent if he gets on top. He's not so great if he's on bottom, though. And I think that's where uh, Giles can really pose some problems. So I like Giles here, actually, as the underdog.
0: Yeah, and I like your fucking haircut. Yeah. (laughs) All right, next fight, middleweight. Adolfo Vieta, minus 115. Armin Petrosian, minus 105. So Vieta, as we mentioned, the five-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Four and two in the UFC. Not too bad out of the shoot. He's won two of his last three. Both of those by submission. On the other side, we have the Armenian Petrosian. Fun to watch, in my humble opinion. Three and one in the UFC. And coming off an impressive win over Christian Leroy Duncan
2: last year. BP. Who do you yeah. love? Tough fight. Tough fight to pick here. Um, this is the one that kept me, that, that, that threw pause, because Petrosian, you think, you know, this is a guy who's he's a good striker, he keeps at range. His takedown offense is only 36%. He looked good against CLD. He stopped CLD, who was, was kind of forcing the takedowns, but against a guy like Vieta, this guy is going to come at you, and he's not going to stop, you know what I mean? John's laughing. I mean, distracting me. I can't look at him. Um, you know, and, and this is a guy who learned a lot about his loss to Fluffy Hernandez. He rebounded well, gassed out, got submitted, got embarrassed. His next fight, he took it to the third round, won by submission. Then he fought my guy, Chris Curtis, because got outstruck, couldn't get the fight down. And then he won by submission again in the second round. So he's proven cardio's there. He doesn't mix things up well yet enough yet. He's still trying to be a striker. He's still trying to be a grappler. He needs to be a grappler in this spot. I think Petrosian does not have a submission loss on his record. That's going to change. I like me out of here by submission. I think if he gets him to the crowd, Johnny, you're distracting me here, dude. Uh, I think he gets to the ground. It's over. I'm done. John keeps laughing. No, I love it, dude. It's just like, it's so melodic. Like he can't
0: say Brazilian surname no, I, without sing it. a musical undertone. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me every time.
1: Yeah. Let's it. it <laughs> he's that dude now that when he orders something, he's like, yeah, I could all have a coffee and a croissant. Yeah. Uh, and if I could have a quesadilla, uh, please, and a taco, that would be great. I uh, yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, now he's just showing off, John. It's unbelievable. Um, listen, man, th- this is a difficult one for me as well. I think you have a guy, Petrosian, who is certainly world-class on the feet. I could see him finishing uh, Vieira on, on, on the feet. I can also see him getting finished by vieta on the ground uh, and getting submitted you know i, I think both these guys are, are truly world class at what they do um but i don't know what worries me is that for Vieira, there's not a whole lot of cohesion between his striking and his grappling it's like he and this is how i felt early on when i was kind of uh in my mixed martial arts career and certainly uh, in the early part of my ufc career was on the feet i was like st- in striker mode and mm-hmm. then You know, it was almost like I had to stop being a striker and then I'd kind of like crash into people and try to take them down in an ugly way. And he hasn't quite figured out that way of how to put it all together, utilizing his striking to get into that proper uh, entry range, to get in on that body locker, to get in on those legs. So it's a little choppy for me. However, um, he is a guy that is willing to go to his back, like to half guard, to try to get it done. Um, And. You know, I think he's still good enough to be a threat against someone like Petrosian. So, yeah, this has been a tricky one for me. I, I'm I'm leaning towards Petrosian here. I, I think that his striking, his ability to kind of stop some of those takedowns is going to be critical, especially later on in that fight. He's got to survive at least those first seven minutes, though, to at least tire out Vieira uh, and, and get some of that confidence away from Vieta. So uh, this should be an interesting one. But, yeah, I yeah. agree with you, Brian. This is, this is a tricky one to pick,
0: man. Well matched fight. Well matched fight, Cat, actually, top to bottom. Shout out to Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby. All right, next up, guys, at lightweight, 28 time UFC veteran Michael Johnson, minus 120. Darius Flowers is the even money underdog at plus 100. So, Brian Johnson, 13 and 15 in a UFC career that dates to the Ultimate Fighter season 12 finale back in 2010. Here he's taking on Darius Flowers. You may recall Flowers' a short notice UFC debut came up a division at welterweight against Jake Matthews. That was UFC 291 last July, now beginning the lightweight portion of his UFC career against the credentialed Michael Domenis Johnson. BP, your thoughts on this one?
2: Oh, MJ. MJ like an ex-girlfriend to me. He, he's broken my heart so many times, man. I, I, I'm still such a fan, but it's like, man, you bet him and then the Josh Emmett right hand comes and then Diego Fierro, And it's like, you want this guy to succeed and he just comes up a little short. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's been there with everybody. His hand speed's phenomenal. It's just over 15 minutes, there's always going to be a lapse of, of focus And it just seems like people know how to take advantage of that. And Darius Flowers, again, fought Jake Matthews at 17. Just got out, man, outsized. This guy's arms are this big, right? He's a bricked up dude with tiny little arms, but he needs to be at 55. Very confident, pro boxing experience, um, has some good knockouts. He needs to close the distance, can't be at range with Johnson. Johnson's speed is going to be a problem here, but I like the camp. I like the people surrounding Flowers who support him, Bully B being one of them. Um, I like that for him. I think he's going to be confident. I like him at 55 here. I, it's kind of a plus money. It's, you know, an even money underdog. So I'm going to take flowers. I'm not going to fall into my old, same old trap bet Michael Johnson. Money will be on flowers. My heart will be on Johnson. That's all I got to say.
0: Nicely put. Yeah, I'm a big Michael Johnson fan as well. I believe, actually, the night he fought Josh Emmett. I mean, was I in the back of an SUV in Delaware, like smoking a blunt with Michael Menace Johnson or no? I don't remember. (laughs) I do remember having a conversation with Michael Johnson after that Josh (laughs) Emmett fight. And he was sort of bemoaning the fact that he got caught late in Mm -hmm. one of the truly viral knockouts of that calendar year. Uh, Ken Flo, essentially a pick him on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Michael Johnson minus 120, Darius Flowers plus 100. Who do you like?
1: Yeah, man. And in that fight against Emmett, he was doing so well. And then all of a sudden, it kind of uh, didn't go well at the end of that fight. But yeah, it's hard to pick a guy like Michael Johnson, because there is so much talent there. There is so much potential. This has been the case with him forever. You know, you have certain performances where he goes out and John, we called this fight. He goes out there and has one of the best performances of his career against Edson Barbosa in Brazil. And you're like, Who is this guy? He looks faster than Edson Barbosa. What is going on? Um, And then he'll go out and beat someone like Dustin Poirier by knockout. Um, And then he'll lose to a Darren Elkins or lose to a Josh Emmett when he was winning the whole fight. So it's very difficult to predict exactly what is going to happen with Michael Johnson. Um, One thing is sure, he's fast. He has an excellent jab and he can knock you out. Um, But also what is sure, he's very vulnerable on the ground as well. And also can be knocked out so it, it is tricky he's going to get the guy in flowers uh, i i think that can pose some problems he's a big powerful guy um and, and this one for me is just it, it's tough to pick and and from a betting standpoint i would stay away from it completely um i guess i'm leaning towards johnson just because of his experience and level of competition but i wouldn't be surprised with it, with either result uh, of these guys winning so yeah tricky one
0: I'll never forget that 2016 main event. Michael Johnson, Dustin Poirier in Hidalgo, Texas. And I only bring it up, Bri, because like mm-hmm. I miss those days. Like Send me yeah. back to Hidalgo, Texas yeah. for a UFC fight night. Right. All right, next up, a middleweight. Gregory Rodriguez, modest 250. Brad Tavares, plus 205. This fight was initially booked for UFC 283 in Rio de Janeiro last January. RoboCop ended up getting knocked out by replacement opponent Bruno Fajeda that night. Since, though... He has responded in kind with a knockout of Dennis Touloulin. That came last year at UFC 292 in Boston. And now 5-2 and two in the UFC. Tavares has shown up back in his bracket. Bri, the longest tenured, one of the longest tenured fighters on the roster. Brad Tavares, 36 now. 15-8 mm-hmm. and eight in the UFC. But if you're only as good as your last performance, he was great against Chris Weidman last August. And not unlike the aforementioned Michael Johnson, Tavares made his UFC debut all the way back in 2010. Sneaky big fight here at 185
2: pounds. Brian Petrie, who do you like? Yeah, I love the matchmaking. Brad Tavares is one of the true good guys. Uh, I know several people that train with him at, down there in Vegas, and they all just rave about him being a teammate as a person. You want to root for people like that. And Brad Tavares is never in a boring fight. He's always in a fun fight. You know, He's been in there with the best of the best. I picked Chris Weidman. I thought Chris Weidman was going to be able to wrestle Brad Tavares down. Uh-uh. Brad Tavares' takedown defense is very good. Gregory Rodriguez, Big mountain of a man, but he gets hittable and there is a chin problem there. He's been rocked before he's been knocked out before. And he's been dropped before and, and come back because his cardio is great. And he look, he is a guy that, in my opinion, should fight on the ground. He should get the fight to the ground with his, with his frame, with his skills. I don't think he's getting Brad there. Uh, I smelled a rat last week on Ch- Chuck Buffalo and Charlie Radke. I'm smelling a rat again here. Plus 205 on Brad Tavares. With that experience, with the leg kicks, with the movement, he has to be on point because Gregory Rodriguez, Robocop, no doubt about it, can fucking crack as well. But if you, take away the, if you take away the takedown threat, which I think Brad will do, I think Brad is the better striker. I think he's going to find some openings. I think he's going to knock out Robocop. Give me Brad Tavares.
0: Nicely done, Brian Petrie, Ken flow. Gregory Rodriguez, modest 250, Brad Tavares, plus 205.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of value uh, here on Tavares who, as Brian talked about, has been in there with some of the best uh, in that division. Um, I think that uh, while Gregory Rodriguez uh, also can uh, get caught with something with something big and get knocked out. I think you could probably say the same, maybe for Brad Tavares as well, who's been fighting a very long time. Um, And and perhaps his chin isn't quite what it used to be. Uh, So Rodriguez can put anyone out in that division, uh, but uh, Tavares can put anyone out in that division as well. And I think Tavares is very smart about how he goes about winning rounds as well. He's good at pecking or probably even more than pecking at your leg. He will destroy that leg if you allow him. Um, Thick legs, you know, always that's been a strength of him, his kicking skill, but he can also get it done with his hands as far as his knockout uh, goes as well. And I agree with you, Brian. I think Rodriguez has to do uh, his best to try to take this fight to the ground, but Tavares is very underrated in that aspect, especially up against the cage. He's very Mm -hmm. good at defending singles and doubles, knows how to pummel in, knows how to keep his balance there. Uh, So because of that, this is a really tricky one. Now, when I'm seeing odds, I mean, at plus 205, I I agree with Brian. I think there's a lot of value there. Not sure Tavares could get it done by knockout. Wouldn't be surprised if he did. Uh, Can also see it go the other way, but I like Tavares here. I I think when it's this close, you got to lead towards the underdog, and that underdog is Brad Tavares.
0: In and around plus 205, we'll see where it closes on Saturday night, and we'll be doing a watch party every step of the way. That brings us to the co-main event, the featherweight division. Dan Ige, Minus 175, Andre Feely plus 145. Big fight here, Bryce. So, Feely mm-hmm. stepping in for the undefeated Lerone Murphy. He'll try to keep his momentum going. That was established with a big win over Lucas Almeida last December at UFC 296. So, Feely uneven as far as the record in the UFC, but I do think he's coming into his own. He's 11 and 9 with a no contest through 21 UFC fights looking to realize consistency and trying to produce here as the road underdog of sorts against Dan Ige. Certainly no stranger uh, to the UFC apex. Ige coming off a loss to Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell at a fight night last September. Brian Petrie, will you have a selection for us on the co-main event?
2: yeah I mean this is another really tough fight Andre Feely every time he fights I, it, you know it's like he'll come off a bad performance and then you kind of doubt him and then you watch him fight you're like oh this guy's really fucking good this guy can use his length really good for being a tall 145 he's also got a really good double leg he can explode into a double which is rare for guys that height to get underneath somebody's hips Um, you know and he's been training with Team Alpha those guys forever he's comfortable in the feet he's comfortable everywhere he likes the fight he likes the wars yeah Daniga is the same exact way I mean I will put money on and someone's going to be bleeding by the end of this fight. These guys are going to go at it. You got a short, shorter stockier guy who wants to get in. You got a guy who wants to stay on the outside. They both can fight everywhere. Um, I would lean Andre Philly. If he just, if he wrestled a little more, cause Danny, I feel like has been exposed with his takedown offense. His last time out in a couple fights prior, um, it, you know, I know he's a black belt in Jiu too, but you know, it, he's not very good off his back. So if Philly comes in with his wrestling shoes on, that's a great dog number. I just don't know if he is. I think he's going to have fun. I think you want to stand, stand him up, bang him up. Um, and with that, I'm going to lean towards Dan I feel like this is going to go a decision. I feel like it's going to be a very, very razor-thin fight. Uh, don't feel comfortable putting money on it, but I will give you a pick of Dan
0: Nicely done there, Brian Petrie. Is there any fighter who has the nickname the Apex Predator? I mean, some of, one of these guys should just take it for one of these fight nights at the Apex and then get back to their old yeah. nickname. I feel like Dan Ige has won a lot of fights in this building. He's also looking to make a concerted run here at Featherweight. Ken Flo, nine and 6 in the UFC for Ige, but he has lost four of his last six. Usually holds serve against the guys he is favored to beat. He has that distinction this weekend. Ken Flo, Dan Ige, or Andre Feely in the co
1: Yeah, I mean, this whole card is really just great matchmaking, top to bottom. Like, every fight makes sense. They're all evenly matched. Uh, For Andre Feely, he's got to use his reach and his footwork. Uh, he does not want to make it a battle of just trading on the inside against someone like Dan Ige because if there's one guy who could put you out with one shot, it's going to be Dan Ige, right? Affili is more of a guy who gets things done when there's an accumulation of blows, when he's kind of uh, juking and jiving and kind of picking, sticking and moving. That That's what he needs to do here, and he can do it. Uh, Danny Higay is going to be a little bit shorter here against Feely. So that could be tough, especially if Feely's able to establish those long range weapons early. He just needs to stay disciplined. Sometimes he gets a little overconfident, he loses focus, and he lets guys back into the game. You do not want to do that here against someone like Dan Ige. He just has too much experience and too much toughness. He's not going to let a fight kind of slip through his fingers. He's going to do everything he can uh, to win or take you out. So he's got to be very careful. I think Feely can get it done here. Not an easy out. But when again, when it's this close, I'm going to lean towards the underdog here. I think there's value here with Feely. Both guys are very inconsistent. So because of that, it's hard to do it with with a lot of confidence. But uh, I'm leaning towards Feely.
0: Cody Marrow chimes in Davey or Davi Young, the apex predator three and four for the mixed martial arts career out of Minnesota. He's got a fight coming up March 23rd at art of war cage fighting 34. It looks like there's also an Amber Stotzenberger who is the apex predator as well. Six and four career at strawweight for the apex predator, Amber Stotzenberger.
1: All right. I let us get, to get a minute. record for apex predators, by yeah. the way, no yeah. offense. But, uh,
0: yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let us get to the main event. Not optional as far as predictions are concerned. And on the other side, these gentlemen will place their bets. Matchup of middleweight contenders. I do call Joe Pfeiffer a contender, despite the fact that he is not ranked at present. Minus 225, though. He's the favorite against Jack Hermanson, 185. And Brian, we have not seen Jack Hermanson since December of 2022 when he was stopped by Roman Delizay. That was his third fight of that calendar year. Then. Had a, a fight with Derek Brunson go away. Then he withdrew from a fight against Brendan Allen last June due to injury. And really good on Hermanson, right, for putting his number 10 ranking on the line here against an unranked fighter. Joe Pfeiffer, all the rage, 3-0 in the UFC. Be Joe Pfeiffer. He submitted mm-hmm. that for Zach Hassan back on October 7th. Now the challenges get stiffer for Joe Pfeiffer. Bry, how do you think
2: he handles this Jack Hermanson challenge this weekend? I love the step up in competition. You know, there were some chatter when this got announced. I know a lot of people are all over Joe Pfeiffer, but there was some chatter from really strong minded MMA guys. Maybe this is too soon. I don't think so. I think this is the route that needs to be taken for a guy like Joe Pfeiffer. Doing my research, I was shocked to find out Jack Manson's 35. He looks great. There's nothing, but he's feel like he's been around forever. 35 years old. thats He's right there in the middle of his prime. 185 is getting very tempting right now. We got two guys who look similar in the pale redheadedness of Bo Nickel and Joe Pfeiffer. And they're both on the merge to meet one day at the end. Uh, B. Joe Pfeiffer is just nuts. I listen to him on Rogan. he is a fan of himself. He, his ego is there, which I think is good for a fighter. Um, I know some people might disagree with that, but as long as he's putting in the hours that he's supposed to be putting in with that team in Philly, that grappling Jimmy comes from, uh, he's going to be okay. He's explosive. He's huge for 185. He can beat you in many ways. I, When I first saw this fight, I'm like, oh, he better not go to the ground with Hermanson. But then I watched the Delite fight. I'm like, well, delete went to the ground with him. Not comparing P- uh, Pfeiffer and Delite, but Pfeiffer is heavy on top, and uh, I think he could swarm Hermanson beat him up on the ground, and I think just be able to knock him out on the feet as well. We saw Hermanson, the lateral movement against Chris. Curtis frustrated Chris. Chris couldn't get it going. I think Hermanson going to do that, but Joe, bigger, longer, cuts the cage off a little bit better, and is explosive. I see a finish here by Hermanson, either KO or TKO on the ground. You, they, they both pay the same. Uh, they're both the same thing. But, yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised he's only minus 225. You know the hype hasn't reached Vegas yet, I guess, or people are are really uh, accounting for Hermanson's um, savviness and his vetness. Yeah, but give me give me Joe Pyfer. Well, the money's coming
0: in on Joe Pyfer. He was minus one ninety eight when I sent you guys the okay. first look at the yeah. odds, and then minus two twenty five and seemingly climbing. We did talk to Joe Pyfer by the way here on the Anakin Florian podcast, episode four forty. If you want to check out that conversation from last October. Uh, Ken Flo, Jack Hermanson ends an extended layoff this weekend. He's the underdog against Joe Pfeiffer. Who do you have in the main event?
1: That's her man, son. Yeah, listen, man. I I think uh, Jack uh, has always been a little bit too stiff on the feet for me, and I'm still kind of seeing it. Some of the videos in preparation for this fight, I'm still kind of seeing that stiffness. He isn't quite so loose and comfortable uh, striking yet. Not to say he's not effective. He could still be that. But, you know, over the course of 25 minutes, that's going to indicate a lack of efficiency over time, which I think, you know, even if he's doing okay and he's hanging in there, he's not taking big shots from Piper. I think he'll start to slow down as this fight goes on. Um, And I don't know. I, I agree with Brian here. I think the confidence from Piper and I think the style matchup isn't great for Hermanson. I think that Piper is way more explosive on the feet. I think his takedown defense should hold up. Hermanson has that Greco-Roman background. We've seen him hit some nice submissions uh, in the past, you know, heel hooking Kelvin Gastelum and, and all that stuff. So he's dangerous. Uh, he, he definitely is dangerous uh, at times, especially on the ground. But I think Piper is going to be okay here. As long as he stays disciplined and stays focused for 25 minutes, I see him not only winning, but probably getting the finish on the feet, TKO or knockout. Um, I, I think he'll be able to expose some of those holes on the feet from Permancy. and the betters are forcing the hand of my guy Johnny
0: Avello. Ninety-five percent of the bets and ninety-four percent of the handles wow. are on DraftKings Sportsbook on the favorite Joe. Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. All right. Time now for place your bets brought to you by johnannick.com. Check out our merchandise store, johnannick.com. Great way to support the Anakin Florian podcast, paying guys like Petrie and KenFlow. Right now you can get 20% off all items with code one more sleep. You see Kenflow wearing one of the designs as is Brian Petrie wearing the Ray Longo minute shirt. And I got the select your fighter offering this week. And I do have to say, and this is not at all a promotion, but I've been looking for nice socks for a long time. And the guys that engage Israel Adesanya <laughs> and Alexander Volkanovsky's company like sent me this package in advance of UFC 298. These are the best socks I've ever owned, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're black socks. I will be wearing on every UFC broadcast now until the end of time. So nice. check out Engage yeah. if you're looking for socks. I don't know that we have Anakin Florian podcast socks as yet at johnannick.com. All right, place your bets. We will update the standings here. Both of these gentlemen have $1,000 to spend every week. They do not have to spend that money, but they are certainly encouraged to do so. So Brian Petrie was plus $55.86 heading into UFC Fight Night to Lidze versus Imabov. Another good night, BP. Three and one on your bets. That included a $200 underdog hit on Charles Radke at plus $180, plus $360 there. Straight wager on Randy Brown for $400 and minus $245. That paid over $163. You had $300 on Naswardini Mavov at minus $166. That paid $180.72. You did give $100 back on a Drew Dober by knockout proposition, but a strong week nonetheless. Plus $603.99 brings your year to date total to $659.85. Team Florian now firmly in the black as well. You were down $120 on the year. You spent $500 of your 1K last week, and it was all initially on a three-leg parlay, but the Ali Hazakov, history rehab no contest, made it a two-leg parlay. You cashed both legs Anato Otto Moikano and Randy Brown, so that paid out plus $142. So your $500 parlay returned $710.14, bringing your year-to-date total to $589.32. We also shout out Big Ron Pellegrino, Anakin Florian podcast parlay hit. So Big Ron, two and one on the year. Congratulations to him. He's probably going to kill me for pitching Hidalgo, Texas, instead of uh, Las Vegas as (laughs) a UFC host city. But congrats to Big Ron as well. Brian Petrie, the floor is yours. You have $1,000 to spend UFC
2: fight night for Manson versus Pfeiffer. So, real quick before I get to that, I'm not I'm not in the merch business. I'm not an idea guy, but I think we should have place your bets. If that's gonna be the name of this segment right Reddit. here, some some t-shirts on John like I'll buy all of them. I'll buy all of them, baby. <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right. So my money's going I literally one of these times I'm gonna go a thousand bucks, nuts on the table on one guy. It almost was Joe Piper. I almost put five hundred on Joe Piper, money line five hundred by finish. We'll chase that when it comes. Probably low minus money if I, if I had to guess. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to spread it out a little bit. I'm going to go Joe Piper, $500. So 500 bones at minus 225 or whatever the current line is we have right now. I like that. I think Joe Piper wins. That's solid. Then I'm going to go practice minus 218 at $300. Googly eye for the young kid. I think that Southpaw is something something to be fierce, dangerous. And then I'm going to go a little underdog hunting here, a little dog hunting here, Brad Tavares, $200 on Brad Tavares. Um, again, I really like that matchup for him. And I just think uh, RoboCop can be vulnerable.
0: All right. $200 to close out your bets on Brad Tavares plus 205 Petrie trying to build on an outstanding start here in 2024. Ken Flo, what are we doing with our up to $1,000 American dollars this week?
1: Yeah, very interesting. Um- You know, when I was putting this together, trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do, certainly was looking something very similar to what Brian Petrie just did. But I'm going to switch things up just a little bit. Um, You know, I I think there's value here on Petrosian. Um, I think that on the feet, he's going to be extremely dangerous. I I think that um, he's going to have to stop those takedowns, no question about it. But I do think Vieira is still a little vulnerable there. I hate going against one of the legends in Brazilian jiu-jitsu in Vienna, but uh, I, I do see some nice value there in Petrosian. So I'm going to throw 300 uh, on Petrosian there as the uh, well, slight underdog there. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and, and then the rest is going to go on Piper, man. I want to put 700 on, on Piper. I, I feel pretty confident with that one. Um, and not only do I think he can win, I think he can get the finish. Not going to bet that, but uh, I'm, get, I'm betting Piper for the win, 700.
0: Nice. All right, nicely done. Gentlemen, place your bets. We'll update the standings next week and do your homework. I think I have nine fights that we will preview for UFC 98. Volcano versus Topodia coming up on February 17th. If you want more content from Brian Petrie and why would you not, the MMA Takes podcast can be in your life if you so desire. At Brian Petrie MMA on X, my man. Have a great day and a better evening. We'll talk to you next week for a big one. You're the best, boys. I'll see you. Brian Petrie with us for... The main event challenge and also place your bets. All right, that is going to do it for us this show, but not this week. We are back this Saturday, likely to be joined by Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad for our watch party. It'll be about 8.15 p.m. Eastern until the end of the fight card. So certainly when Dan Ige or Andre Feely hits the inspection zone, you can go to the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel and Ken Flo, myself and a collection of others will be live. Also, don't forget johnannick.com for all your merchandise needs. Remember the show with Jason Annick and Bilal Muhammad every Thursday on the Annick and Florian Podcast YouTube channel. KennyFloryandMartialArts.com is worth your time. Argus Integrated Defense and a Tactics on Instagram. Guys just fucking getting after it. They'll save your life. Can't let you get too close. Distance is your friend. And don't forget later this week, Big Ron Pellegrino will also have another Anakin Florian podcast parlay for you as well. He is two and one on the year. Thanks to Brian Petrie and our director slash executive producer, Cody Merrow, who just continues to enhance the overall aesthetic of the program. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Kenny. For Ken and John Anik. We'll talk to you guys Saturday night for The Watch Party. Until then, you're late. Trademarks owned by Becklass AB to CV 2024. Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.